It's good to be here. Um, I've been here a few times now, and this definitely feels like family. So much so that we left, we moved from Brooklyn to come back to the West Coast. So, <laughs> so God, is, God is doing something amazing. Um, it's good to be here. Love your pastor. Love this church. And, and God's doing something special here in the Bay. Every time I meet a leader or a pastor and I say, hey, I just moved here. I sense that God's called us here and he's doing something. And then they go, God is definitely doing something special here in this city. And now I just want to be part of a historic move of God. Amen. And I sense that as, as we gather together in, in pre-service prayer, as I meet with other people, it's like, man, there's a hunger here that wants to see a move of God. So I just want to pray into that this day. Amen. All right. So our passage today is going to come from Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. I'm going, to, I'm going to read through it for us. It will be on the screen, and we'll see what God has to say to us. Isaiah 9, verse 1 through 6. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and holding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy, that your kingdom is here, that your kingdom is coming. We long for more, God. We long for your presence, Lord. So I pray that you would speak to us with power, God, we don't want to learn things about you. We want to encounter you. We want to be transformed by you. So would you fill this place? Would you meet us right now wherever we are at? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we say in the black church, won't he do it? All right. Won't he do it? All right. You might say that in your church too. It's not just a black church, but commonly known as a black church, we say that. All right. So we're in this time called Advent. And um, this may be a new term for you. It was a new term for me a few years ago. And uh, it simply means arrival or coming. It's, it's preparation for Christmas. It's preparation for Christmas, it, which, is, which Christmas is about the presence of Jesus. And so the next few weeks, this is the buildup. This is the, the working up to the day in which Christ is giving on, given unto us. 
It's preparation for what's to come. We are preparing and reminding our hearts and minds what is most true. And at any point, if it's good, say that's good or amen. All right. Our passage, and, and, and more specifically in Matthew, again, it says, it's, it's a dawn of a new day. At the coming of Advent, it's a dawn of a new day. Matthew 4.15 says, The land of Zebulun and the land of Natalie, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. How many of us are waiting for a new day? How many of us are longing for a new day? How many of us are longing for a new day and, and hopes for something better? How many of us are looking for maybe a do-over? I need, I, need, I, need I need this, maybe this week, maybe this month, maybe this life to be done over because it's been a mess. And I'm longing for a new day. That's, that's the longing of the people of God since the beginning. A longing for a new day. When we get to the story of scriptures, we get to the story of the people of God, we, we hear this collective longing that God would finally show up and do what he said he was going to do. That we're waiting for a better day that will be free from the burden of oppression. Advent, what Advent does, it, it reveals a Jesus that has come to inaugurate a kingdom that's free of oppression. And that's good news. Amen? So today, I, I'm not here to tell you something new. I'm not here with a new revelation. What I'm here to do is to remind you of what God has done and what God is doing. See, God gives good promises. He gives really good promises to the people of God. He gives really good promises to humanity. And we tend to forget them in the waiting. He gives these good words and we read it all through the historical books and the prophetic books and the books of the law. And we see through the whole narrative of scripture that he's given good promises of what he wants to do. But we enter this time of waiting between Advents and we're just like, I, we forget. And stuff happens and stuff hits us and we often move into despair. Advent is about waking up your hope. It's waking up our hope and posturing us in a place of anticipation for the good to come, for the new dawn to come. Our world celebrates this season the, the, of baby Jesus with a whole lot of sentimentality. And, it, and it's almost as though they don't believe that this birth, that this advent actually has the power to change anything in the world. And I, I, I think I've been guilty of this, that, that this season is a time to just take a break from problems, get nostalgic, get tingly a little bit, get some great mochas with white and red and green candies on the top. <laughs> because this baby Jesus, this Advent story, it can't really change the problems in the world. 
See, the, the writers of Scripture speak of an advent where Jesus is more than enough, is more than powerful enough to change the course of the world. That, that, that Jesus is more than enough to satisfy the longings in which the world has for redemption. And, I, and, that, and that it's more than just a good story. It's more than just a good story. It has a power to change things. It has a power to change the world. It has a power to change your life. And I, and I think it's hard for us to make that switch between the nice story and entering into seeing changing the, 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 the darkness in our world. To see it change the darkness maybe in our lives. Because things seem darker than ever. I think sometimes I, the way that I work is I think that things have to progressively get better for God to show up. Things that I have to feel like things are getting better for it to be the ideal conditions to meet Jesus. And as we talk about this story, about this incarnation, Jesus came as a vulnerable child into a world of chaos. He came as a vulnerable child into a world of genocide, an oppression, of racism, of classism, you name it. It wasn't a sanitized world that he entered into. It was dark. But light entered. Light dawned in the darkness. See, it's not the lack of chaos that God is more present. Actually, it's in the mist, in the storm, in the chaos that he most fully enters into. You guys with me? Jesus came on the darkest day. Came in in the darkest time of history. And that's when he enters in. But if we don't expect him to come in the midst of our chaos, we'll miss him. And when we miss him, we desperately attempt to create our own version of peace. Or to find someone or something that can offer us peace, that can order the chaos. Historically, we see that with, with kingdoms that come in, ushering in their own version of peace. In the first century, the, the Romans had the Pax Romana. Remember that? You fall asleep in history class? I did. I had to like research this. <laughs> so don't question me on it. All right. The Pax Romana, they, it was a, a kingdom that was built on coerciveness, suppression, oppressiveness, military enforcement, law and order, kingdom built on fear. Familiar words? Every kingdom, rule, power offers their version of peace. But only someone who has truly experienced peace can bring peace. So what is peace? It's completeness, soundness, well-being, a state of health, deliverance. You know the Hebrew word shalom. And what we used to say in my church is, nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. And everything is put together. You have everything that you need and you're taken care of and you're provided for. And things are all as, as they should be. Between God and humans, between us and ourselves, between humans and humans, between us and creation. Nothing missing, nothing broken. It's complete. It's sound. It's, it's, it's in health. 
Advent promises peace on earth, a kingdom of peace. And as we get into our text, what I want to say to you today is that God wants to transform your conflict into shalom. God wants to meet you in whatever you're going through because he's already there. And I I wish somebody would pick that up right now. Whatever you're going through, whatever mess and chaos is in your life, maybe in your apartment, in your family, in your job, in your neighborhood, in your city, that God is already there in the midst of it waiting to meet you. In the midst of conflict, pain, brokenness, oppression, on your darkest night, in the shadow of death, in the darkest misery of captivity, God shows up and declares his promises to you. And because we live in contested space, everything that we try to do for the kingdom is contested. We need to be reminded of the promises of God. We need to be reminded of the truth that Jesus came into the midst of darkness so none of this takes him aside and that there is power and a new light has dawned to push back the darkness. So what Isaiah is saying in this passage to the people of God, he's saying that dark days have been in your past, dark days are in your present, dark days are are ahead. The Assyrians will come and invade Palestine from the north. They will humble Israel, but that's not it. There's something beyond the time of punishment, and I see a bright deliverance coming. I see a bright day, a bright dawn coming that's going to end all darkness forever. He says it here in verse 1. He says, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. There's going to come a day where there's going to be no more gloom for you that, are in, that is in distress. If you are burdened by the darkness in your lives, or burdened by the darkness in the world, just know that the night will give way to the light. This is what Isaiah is saying to the people of God. This is, the night will give way to the light. This is the cry of the Psalms. This is, this is the, the chorus and the spiritual songs of the African-American experience. That darkness won't last forever that a better day is coming. One of my favorite songs of this season is Oh Holy Night. And it says, in his name all oppression shall cease. In his name all oppression shall cease. So hear what the angels say in Luke 2. It says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is at the birth of Jesus. It's a declaration from heaven that peace is on earth. That peace has come to earth. Peace is a person. Peace can only be experienced through encountering the person of Jesus. And so when Jesus entered earth, they go, peace is in the midst of earth. Peace is in the midst of humanity wrapped up in the person of Jesus. The shalom, the completeness of life is, is, has entered earth in the person of Jesus. Verse, verse 6, for to us a child is born. To us 
a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For us, to us. Right? I want you, I want you to hear the, the declaration that, that this son, this child has been given for us and to us to receive. Not for us, by us. <laughs> I got the wrong crowd here. <laughs> I say that for the evening service. Um, like really, really let that sink in. For us, to us. Isaiah is saying things have been tough. They might get tougher. But the God of peace is in the midst of it. And he's for you. Like, write it down. He's for you. Regardless of the violence, the turbulence, the evil, the wickedness that hovers around your life, this child has been given to you and will subdue it all. Romans 16 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Jesus breaks the cycles of hatred and violence and oppression by absorbing them and without offering them back in return. That's the way of peace. That's the way that peace is made. That's the way that he's made peace. He's absorbed it all and transferred us into his kingdom of light. Our passage declares that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. There's none greater. The title Prince of Peace talks about the character of his reign. This will be the fruit of his reign. It will be a peaceable kingdom. It will be a peaceable rule. Regardless of where you're at and where you find yourself, if you are in the kingdom of God, you will experience a peace in the midst of whatever is going on. He will put... The, 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 the character of his reign is to put things back together, to put things back into their intended spaces and places. That lion will lay down with lamb. That weapons of, of war will be melted down and used for cultivating culture and humanity. And the, one of the primary functions of peace is restoring right relationships. Wholeness and salvation. I want you to hear a quote from Lisa Sharon Harper. She says, The peace of self is, is dependent upon the peace of the other. God created the world in a web of relationships that overflowed with forceful goodness. These relationships are far reaching between humanity and God, between humanity and self, between genders, between humanity and the rest of creation, within families, between ethnic groups or races, and between nations. These relationships were very good in the beginning. One word characterized them all, shalom. Shalom, peace, is restorative. And even if you don't remember, I've never seen what it looks like to be in a right relationship with somebody else. I'm going to go off script for that. Sometimes when we African-Americans talk about racial reconciliation, we go, I don't even know what it looks like because we've never been good. 
And so we read these passages about restoration. We go, I don't have a frame of reference for it because I just haven't seen it. But even if you haven't seen it, we know deep inside that there was something better that was designed. There's something deep within us that says, There's some, we were made for more than this. There's something deep within us that says, it's not supposed to be like this. I don't know what it is, but it's not supposed to be like this. The chaos in our world is not how it's supposed to be. I don't have to tell you our world is deeply divided in opposition and broken. And if we're honest, we long for something better. Ephesians 2 Jesus, about Jesus says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus has broken down the power of hostility. He has, Jesus is in the business of tearing down walls that divide people. Jesus is not up here building walls to separate people. Jesus, when he, when he laid out on the cross, he ripped veils and dividing walls between people and cultures to say, you guys are one. And all are welcome into the kingdom. Somebody pick this up. See, because, <laughs> okay, sister, all right. <laughs> Where's my organ? Okay. What Paul is saying here, what the, the, the scriptures are saying, Jesus given us a vision for a better world. Not just a 2.0 of what we have. Something way better. Something that blows away anything that we've experienced here as human beings. A place where we don't tolerate one another, but we are radically transformed communities knitted in love because we've encountered Jesus. Martin Luther King Jr. says this, he says, I refuse to accept the view that mankind is so tragically bound to the startless midnight of racism and war that the bright daybreak of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word. Come on. This is why we're here. And we believe for a better world because of Jesus Christ and what he's done and the incarnation of him into our world. It says peace is here. So that means peace is possible for our world. This is what we anticipate in, in Advent is that something better is coming, uh, a peace that, that, that repels hate and conflict and restores things into right places, into right beings. Verse 7, it says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. I love, I love the King James, it says, of the increase of his government. Peace, there shall be no end of the increase of his government. That means his princely rule shall perpetually increase. It will be unlimited. It will expand by the means of peace. See, this is what we debate over in our country and around the world is who should be president? Who should be in power? I think at our core, we all wanna be led justly. 
And, and, and Psalms and, and in this passage and through the gospels, it's saying, you, you have a leader in, in God who wants to lead you justly. The Psalms say that the foundation of God's throne are righteousness and justice. It's not a side category on the missions page. It's core to who the person of God is. Righteousness and justice are, are his throne. That means the yoke of oppression is broken. That means freedom. In our passage it says that he shatters the rod of the oppressor. And he inaugurates a reign of peace, which means abundance, plenty. He says that the people will rejoice like a harvest has come. They'll, they'll rejoice as those who have won a victory and, they, and are enjoying the, the plunder and the spoils. This is the greatness of his government. This is the greatness of, the, of, the, of what the kingdom of God will look like as God will set things right and he will execute justice and righteousness because that's who he is and that's the character of his leadership. All right, amen. Amen to King Jesus. <laughs> There's been a, a cyclical discontentment regardless of who's been in office. Wherever who's had positions of power. Because we, we long for a leader that can live up to the office. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Jesus is not just a nice religious figure. He's an amazing counselor, a strong God, eternal father, and a prince of wholeness. He carries the weight of governing the cosmos on his shoulders. His love is powerful enough to settle and reconcile all that's been out of order, divided, and broken. He's the rightful heir to the throne. It says that all authority has been given unto him. In Revelation, it says that he's worthy to actually open the scrolls and the deed to the world, to our lives. And he doesn't just have ideas about peace. He is peace. I'm done. No. <laughs> he will reign, seven, verse 7. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. When I read that, it's go, man, therefore, regardless of where I'm at and how I feel, he's worthy of worship. He, he's, he's the direct descendant of David. He's accomplished all that is satisfying the law. He's lived a perfect, sinless death, came into earth, put the world on his shoulders, and is ascended to the right hand of God. Man, he's worthy of worship. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy to raise our hands to and submit our lives to. And I love this. It says, uh, verse on the back top of verse 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It won't be temporary. No power can overcome it. And he's coming again. See, 
if we look through history, there, there's great empires that rise and fall, that are here for a second, a flash in the pan, and don't really satisfy all the longings of human beings, and they're gone. He, he's saying he's going to sit on a throne, and his kingdom of peace and shalom will have no end. And so I, that's the picture that we need to hold up when we're going through something. That's the picture we need to hold up when we're tired and we're at the end of our rope with venting about what's wrong in the world. Is that his kingdom is coming and that we're between these spaces of his coming, but he's coming and light is dawn and he's going to come and he's going to restore everything. Amen. He came to earth, he's here and he's coming again. One commentator says, a time will come when gloom and darkness will be a thing of the past. What if that's your picture? Because sometimes I come and I don't want to raise my hands. I, I don't have words for prayers or songs sometimes. And what if I just say, I know these things will be a thing of the past one day, Jesus. And what if we threw up our hands and desperately call down for heaven to come. Because that's what the longings of Advent should do in us, should long for his kingdom to come. That while we're in darkness or turmoil or chaos, we say, Jesus, come. Come. Come to this world. Come to this place. Meet me right here in this space. I need you. See, Advent is the, the place where not that we have a bunch of options. It's where like, if you don't come, nothing will happen. If you don't come, nothing will change. If you don't come, we'll never experience peace and shalom in the world. I love how this ends. It says the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God is zealous about seeing this established. You might think he's sleeping or he's indifferent towards the chaos in the world or in your world, but he's full of zeal to accomplish this. He's more woke, more passionate, more actively working to bring shalom in every square inch of the world than you can imagine. And it's comfort. Thank you. You guys, there's some zeal in this place. <laughs> He's passionate about establishing his kingdom. And that should bring us comfort knowing that God is zealous and he sees it. And he's doing something about it. And he's coming and he's here. For us, to re for us here, we have to receive the peace he offers. If we want to be peace in the world, we have to receive the peace that Jesus offers. And the peace that he offers is himself. It's not just about ending wars. It's about the presence of Jesus in our lives. Jesus, at the end of his life in John, before he leaves, he says to his disciples in John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
God's purpose is not to give you peace separate from himself. As much as you want peace right now, why don't you just say, I want you, Jesus. Yeah. I want you. I want to receive your peace. I want to receive you. That's Advent. In the darkness, where we lay our deepest longings of wholeness at the feet of Jesus, and God meets us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you sent your son who's worthy. He is worthy of all the praise and the glory. And God, we say we want your kingdom to come. We want your peace, God. Let's pray that we would just receive it. Thank you for your passion for us. Thank you for your passion for this world, Lord. God, change our world, change cities. In Jesus' name, amen.